Welcome to the Founder Church Podcast, helping you to forge a lifelong reliance on God. To find out more about the Founder or how you can get involved, visit thefoundrychurch.com. Right? That's exactly it, right? That's why we show that. That's how marriage is, right? Perfect looking people doing perfect looking things in perfect looking locations. No problems at all, right? Now that's, that's not the truth, right? And that's why we are in this sermon series, why we kicked it off last week, we're talking about the marital relationship. And listen, right, before, before we get into this, let me, give you a, uh, let me give you a little caveat, right? This is for everyone, right? This series is for everyone, whether you are married or if you think maybe someday you just might possibly be married, this series is for you, right? If you think, you know what, it's, uh, I'm just a kid, right? It's still for you, right? Now you can hold your parents accountable to the habits that we are looking at the next uh, couple weeks, right? You can hold them accountable to it. You can learn, right? And then even if you're on the other side of marriage, you think, man, I'm just a a widower or a widow, you're watching online or you're here and you're thinking, I'm never going to be married again. It's still for you because there's younger brothers and sisters in the kingdom of God who need to hear these habits and you might be the person to share them with them, right? Your, your grandkids, your, uh, your neighbor, uh, others in the church, right? So this series is for everybody. So I just wanted to get that out of the way before we talk about this, right? How many of you Right, would describe yourself as the perfect spouse. Right, if you're watching online, throw a thumbprint up, right? Like a thumbs up if you think you're the perfect spouse. If, you're the per- if you think you're the perfect spouse and you're here, raise your hand. I'm just going to raise two, right? You th- see, there there we go. There's some, right? That's right. I'm going to raise two. Now, now, how many of you think you are married to the perfect spouse? <laughs> Christina, two hands up. Two hands up. All right. No, no, we're kidding ourselves, right? All right, none of us, none of us are perfect, not even me, all right? Let's let's just be honest, right? Let's get that out of the way. None of us are perfect, right? We do not do all the right things all the time or say all the right things all the time, right? Some of us have blown it huge, right? We've blown it royally, probably even... Some of us, before we got to church here this morning, right, we messed it all up, right? We're fighting, we're arguing. Listen, I'm the son of a preacher man, and I get it, right? Some of the the most epic fights and arguments in my home when I was growing up happened on a Sunday morning, right? My my, uh, parents were trying to get us out of the door to church, and and my sister wasn't dressed yet. My brother was doing whatever. He was eating his breakfast and wasn't finished. Or my dad's coffee was cold and that made him angry. Or I drove the car through the garage. Like that was a big deal, right? Mess ups happen. They just happen, right? No matter what we do, we are not going to get it right all of the time. And that's what I want to talk about this morning. But before we get there, let me do a quick recap, right? Last week, we talked about the core habit of having serious fun. You can throw that up there. Yep, core habit one, have serious fun. Right? We, we looked at how we need to have fun and that it is not something that is extra, that it's not something that is bougie in our relationship, that it is actually essential to have serious fun. And that we can produce this fun through participation, 
uh, through how we, we communicate, through, through scheduling date nights and going on those date nights, and even through sex. Right? And real quick, right? if you're watching online or if you're here, I hope you guys got that date night. If you didn't, let us know. Right? So that's, that's great, right? One habit down. Core habit one, have serious fun. Three more to go. And this week, we want to shift gears and talk about something completely different. And to do that, since marriage is two people giving 100%, I'm going to have Christina speak to the first part of this. Right. So we're going to shift gears entirely to my middle school journal. I'm really excited about sharing this with you. Um, (laughs) So this week I was cleaning um, our bedroom and I found my memory box. Most of you women have those. They're way under the bed or back of the closet. They have all these things in them. And when you find them, you obviously start looking through them. And I was reading my journal and I said, Andrew, I have the perfect illustration. I read it to him and Andrew suffers from this thing called secondhand embarrassment. So as I was reading it, he stopped me and said, Christina, you're hurting my soul. So (laughs) I hope you have a little more fun with this than he did. I think it's hilarious. So um, this is something I wrote in the seventh grade about love. (laughs) Okay. A lot of boys really like me. (laughs) Like Carl, Randy, Ben. Oh, that's me. (laughs) Carl, Randy, Ben. Brad, Robert, and Nick, and Russell. That's the problem. So many guys like me. I just don't know what to do or who to choose. So I'm going to make a chart to figure it out. And then on the next page, I literally made a chart of the boys, gave them a number ranking and everything. So I want to read a few of them to you. Um, Russell, the good in his column is that he goes to church. The bad in his column is that we... We're already boyfriend and girlfriend. Okay. (laughs) The next one I have listed is Carl. And the good in his column is that he's funny and bad, which I really feel like should have taken off more points than it did. I put, I think he might be on drugs. Um, (laughs) Then we have um, Randy, and he is funny, but he's not smart at all. Then we have Ben, who is hilarious, but unfortunately he's shorter than I am. Then we have Nick, who is, I quote, a hottie. Uh, But unfortunately, he's going out with my friend Stevie. And then we have Brad, who is hilarious, kind, sweet, cute. And in that comment, I put a question mark. And I finished by saying, well, that's it, I guess. Brad is perfect for me. I'm going to flirt with Brad a lot. (laughs) Now, lest you think I was some beautiful girl with people falling at my feet, I will give you those pictures that she was just had up there. That first one, this is me at Halloween. And then the next one, you'll see I had a perm. So I was really, woo, (laughs) the boys were loving that. And then the next one, I got rid of my perm, but I somehow had bangs that only covered half of my head. It was was bad. It was bad. So needless to say, none of these boys like me. Further on in the journal, you'll see that none of them dance with me at the dance or anything like that. I was delusional and crazy, but I'm fully aware of that. I wanted to share this because I think that this list, while it is crazy, I think actually most of us do this. Okay, not everyone writes it down and then shares it with everyone, but I think in our minds we often make these lists, these good and bad lists about the people in our lives that we love. So think about your husband's wives. 
thing about them. And, and in your good column, you'd say things like, he tells a pretty good dad joke. He works really hard at his job, makes sure that the car always has gas, and that no one ever leaves a light on once someone has left the room. <laughs> in the bad column, we have maybe he keeps forgetting to take out the trash, or he keeps tooting at night in front of the fan and makes the whole room smell bad, or <laughs> maybe he has no ability whatsoever, seemingly, to close a cabinet door in the kitchen. This is all hypothetical, by the way. None of this ever happens in my home. But <laughs> you have these lists in your head of good and bad. And I think we do this every time we get in a fight, because I know I do it. Every time he leaves the toilet seat up, or every time he pays attention to the football game instead of me, or every time she puts on the flannel pajamas for bed again instead of, you know, having some fun, or... <laughs> Every time she nags you about your unfinished honeydew list. Maybe you make the list every time his eyes linger a little too long when that pretty girl walked by. Or every time she chooses the kids over you again. As, one, as soon as one thing goes wrong, we automatically think of everything the other person is not doing. Everything that goes in their bad column. We make lists of things that they could be doing better and the list keeps getting longer and longer until we forget one thing, like what Andrew just said. None of us are perfect. We look at our marriages and the problems or the issues that are there, and listen, they're always going to be there. There's always going to be a bad column in your marriage. But we think of those problems, and we think that the answer to those problems lies solely in our ability to somehow unravel all the details of what's happening and fix it. So we ask questions like, okay, who's the one who's spending too much money? Or who never shows up on time? Or who's always tired? <laughs> who, who never helps around the house? Or who just never understands me? And we find ourselves thinking that our marriage depends solely upon our relationship with one another, which is logical. I mean, why would we think anything other? Because most, in most cases, that is what happens. Our marriages are on this roller coaster, and they go up and down depending on how well we are managing things between our spouse and I, ourselves. And most of us believe that our marriages could be better if we could just get better at managing those few things in the bad column. I think that we think this because at some point in our marriages, everything was working. At some point, everything was perfect. And we think maybe, just maybe, if I can figure it out, and we do that one thing, it'll make it all work again. If I just stop nagging him, or if I just make more money, or if I just listen a little bit more and yell a little bit less, or one that Andrew and I have actually heard, if we have a baby, it'll fix everything. It doesn't, by the way. Thank you, Matt. <laughs> um, for some of you, that might be why you're actually here watching this sermon online or here in person, because you think this is it. This is the one thing I have to do, and it's going to fix everything. We think that maybe we can behave our way into a better marriage. And a part of me thinks that's good. You have a little hope. Somewhere deep down in you, at least to some degree, you have hope. 
But on the flip side of hope is always worry. We worry that our us is never going to be what we want it to be. It's never going to be as good as it was at this point. We worry that we're not going to be able to do all the things that we need to do to make our marriage work. We wonder, will I ever be able to act the right way, to talk the right way, to do the right thing? We worry about our marriage because all too often we do the things that we don't want to do. We don't do the things that we do want to do. We say the things that we don't want to say. We treat our spouse in the way that we definitely don't want to treat them. We end up driving them crazy. And we're left screaming at the heavens, why can't I just fix this? We find ourselves asking, why, why can I not just simply do and be better? Why am I not enough? Why don't they see everything that I'm trying to do? We, we don't get it. We're searching and we're searching for answer after answer. And we can't seem to figure it out. Maybe it's because we just don't know how to do and be better. Maybe it's because we're tired of trying to do and be better. Or maybe because our spouse doesn't seem to be trying to do and be better, so why should we? Regardless of the reason, we find ourselves in an us that isn't exactly what we want it to be. Or for some of us, it's just not working at all. And when it's not working, we respond in several different ways. Some of us will ignore the problem altogether, sweep it under the rug, and hope nobody notices. I'm here to tell you, we notice. <laughs> Some of us do try harder. We find ourselves exhausted. Some of us, well, we just stop trying altogether, but we stay in the marriage for the kids. So we're not a quitter. Some of us stop trying and consider separation or divorce. Because we just can't seem to figure it out. We can't figure out why this isn't working. We can't figure out what makes this relationship work. But today, Founder, I, I think that we can say we might be asking the wrong question. Maybe asking what makes this relationship work is not the right question because, if we're honest, it doesn't seem to be working. So what should we be asking? My cue. All right, she's got to give me a cue. She just knows when she comes up. I, I got to have cues. Just so you're aware of what I looked at, Looked like around the same age as her goofy butt. I was the fish slaying king in Northern Virginia, all right? Once a stud, always a stud. All right, I'm just kidding. All right. I think the question that we should be asking lies in the very next core habit. Right? The next core four habit is to love God first. Right? Love God first. Right? Now, you may be wondering, how is this a habit uh, for my marriage, right? How is that going to fix that bad column that Christina was talking about, right? Uh, the bad column of our relationship. How is loving God first going to impact that column, right? Isn't having a, a better marriage just between me and my spouse might be what we're thinking, right? And that's a, that's a solid question. I mean, right? We look around in our relationship and I don't see anyone else who's going to take the trash out or who's going to make dinner around the house, right? So what does loving God have to do with a marriage between me and my spouse? All right, what does, does God have to do with 
us. With our us. Right? Well, let me say this, right? That, that traditional view of marriage that our world kind of wants us to look at, right? Like our bumper video shows, uh, the one where there's perfect-looking people doing perfect-looking things in perfect-looking locations, right? Where nothing ever, ever goes wrong. But that's, that's not the definition of marriage, right? Here's the definition of marriage, right? Marriage is a flawed person married to a flawed person in a fallen world, but with a faithful God. Right? Let, me, let me say that again, right? Marriage, the definition of, is a flawed person married to a flawed person in a, a fallen, broken world, but with a faithful God, right? So it's a couple that are forging their life as individuals on God. You see, marriage is not just about us, right? And trying to manage and to deal with all those issues and concerns and problems on our own, right? As a as a good couple, right? I mean, to a certain degree, yes, right? It is two people trying to deal with all those things, all those imperfections, all the bad, but real, successful, uh, biblical. Marriage is two people, right? A, a man and a woman dealing with all of that, right? By looking to a faithful God, right? So, so maybe the most important question should not be what makes our marriage work, but look, who makes our marriage work, right? Who makes our marriage work? So let's let's talk about that, right? This. This habit that we're looking at now will answer that question. And the answer is, is based on another relationship that we have that is entirely different than the one we have with our spouse. Right? Your, your individual relationship with God. Right? And you forging your life on Him. Because whether you like it or, or not, your individual relationship with God greatly impacts your relationship that you have with your spouse. So, so God's role in your marriage may seem mysterious, uh, may seem not very practical, right? may seem like something that a preacher will say just to sound spiritual, right? but I think that what we are about to look at will be relevant to you no matter where you are with God, right? No matter what your relationship is with God. Why? Right? Because this, this habit has the potential to, to make your us, right? your, your relationship, something you never dreamed that it could be. And so that is why this, this core habit, right? Core habit number two is love God first. I believe that this habit to to love God first is the most important of the core four habits. Right? So you might be thinking, why did, I, why did I put it second to the habit of having serious fun? Good question. I found that it is in fun that, that frequently opens our heart to better understand that God, get this, is crazy about us. Yeah, he's crazy about us. Fun reminds us that even in the mess 
of life and in the worry and in the questions and in the bad, joy and hope can be found. Right? Fun reminds us of love and God is love. So let's keep digging in, right? The habit to love God first comes from a, a section of scripture that, that's unique, right? From, from Jesus' answer to a question from a religious leader who was actually hoping Jesus would condemn himself with his answer. All right, so look at this question. Open your Bibles up to Mark chapter 12, verses 28 through 31. Now, if you don't have a Bible, you can use the Bibles that are in the seats in front of you, and those are for you. You can actually take those with you when you leave, or if you're watching online and you would like a physical Bible, just send us an email or put a comment up there, and we will send you one. All right, so as you're turning there, Mark chapter 12, verses 28 through 31, all right, we're going to look at this question and see what we can learn about this first core habit. Now look, you can also download our free Foundry Church Burke app. And there's a Bible tab on there with today's scripture already pulled up. But this is what it says, Mark 12. All right. It says, one of the teachers of religious law was standing there listening to the debate. And he realized that Jesus had answered well. And so he asked, of all the commandments, and there's a lot of commandments, more than just the ten, right? Of all the commandments, which is the most important? And so Jesus replied, the most important commandment is this. He goes, <coughs> right? listen, O Israel, the Lord our God is the on and only Lord. And you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. And then he says this, the second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. No other commandment is greater than these. Now we could, we could talk forever and ever about the, the power that these verses have in our marriages. But I want to make one simple, but I believe very powerful observation. Right? Notice just in these verses the order in which uh, Jesus wants us to love people. Right? right? What does he want us to do? Right? He, wants us to, he wants us to love him first. Right? And why would he want us to love him first? Right? Because, look, right? loving God empowers us to love others. Right? Loving God empowers us to love others. And specifically to our marriages, loving God empowers us to love our spouse in a way that we could never love them on our own. And that's why it's important to look at how he lists out what we should love first and, and second. Right? right? So here's the truth. Right? You never get your capacity. Right? You never get your capacity to love from your spouse. You just don't. So, so please, please hear me when I say this. You never get your capacity to love from the person that you were called to love. Right? You get your capacity to love at the foot of the cross. Right? At the foot of the cross. 
at the altar in worship together, at the table when you step up and you put into play what you're reading and doing in the Word of God, out at the square when you go and take the message of, of love and grace and truth to the world. That's where we get the capacity to love. Right? Loving a perfect, amazing, all-powerful God who, by the way, like we said, is crazy about us, makes it possible for us to love our spouse. Right? When we love God first, we don't need to look to the other person for what we have already been given in Christ Jesus on the cross. Right? We already have the ca- capacity to love this, this messy and, and grumpy and not perfect person. Because God already gave it to us on the cross. It's a part of God's gift of grace. Look look at this this quote from from, uh, an author and preacher and theologian, John Piper. He says, I think the biggest investment that a wife or a husband can make in their spouse is the investment they make in their own souls. But what does that look like? What does that look like in everyday Northern Virginia, busy, hectic, chaotic lives? What does that look like in the real world? What does it look like loving God, forging our life on Him? It looks like that. It looks like fighting for our own holiness so that we can love God well and love His child, our spouse, in return. It means going to the Bible, looking for ways to connect with God, looking for ways to know Him better, to to understand His Word deeper and greater. It looks for for ways to to put hammer to the anvil and and do the work of spiritual disciplines. It looks like ways, or finding ways to become more and more like Him. Right? Simply put, connection with God makes us better spouses. Simple, right? (laughs) Connection with God makes us better spouses. Listen, behaviors, right? Behaviors are secondary things. They're secondary things, right? Those moments where we find ourselves ignoring our spouse, yelling at our spouse, nagging our spouse, those are just secondary response to the first thing, the condition of our soul. (laughs) But if we love God first, the things that can come out of us may surprise us when when we connect to God. The the things that can come out of us when we love Him first may even surprise our, our spouse and these things are listed in Galatians chapter 5. These are, these are things that are called the fruit of the Spirit because they are the fruit that we bear in our lives when we love Him first, when we're forging our life on God. Right? Things like, like love, right? like, like joy, right? things we want in our marriages, right? uh, things like peace and patience and kindness. Right? Kindness would be, be a good thing in our relationships. Goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. How many marriages would be saved if we bear that fruit of self-control? When we connect with God 
as an individual, these things start to flow out of us little by little and situation by situation. Right? When we connect with God on our own, great things start to flow out of us. It's simple, but very powerful. Listen, you know, what, what do I mean by this though, right? Connecting with God. And as we discussed the core four habits, uh, kicking it off last week, you'll hear me encourage you that you and your spouse make a, a unique us, right? We are a unique us. You are a unique us. You and your future spouse will be a unique us. There is no other us just like yours, right? And this is, this is true in part because as an individual, there is no one on earth just like you. God created you to be you. That's right. In actually my favorite verse of the Bible, Psalm 139, 14, it says that we are fearfully yeah. and wonderfully made. We are unique. So our connection with God in return will be unique. It will be unique from your spouse it will be unique from everyone in this room, but it's intended to be that way. Yes, right? Christina likes to call it that we're all our unique little snowflake. I think that's a little cheesy. <laughs> I just say we're, we're just our unique us, right? Listen, for me, and connection to God, it usually starts early in the morning, right? I'm a, I'm a morning guy. So, so it starts by praying and reading, sometimes while I'm still in bed, and that's okay, because that's all that I could do on some days. Sometimes it's in the bathroom where it's quiet, right? Most of the time, it's in the chair that I have right beside the, my side of the bed, and that's where I, I, I sit, and I pray, and I read, and I, I do my devotions, and I've done that for years, right? And as I pray, and as I work through my prayer list, I have prayer requests and, and petitions that I, I have that are the same for years and years, and then I add things in by, by uh, season or by person, like if there's something going on in one of your lives, right? I add those things in, and I use an acronym, right, called ACTS. Right? Throw that up there, right? ACTS, right? This is, this is what it stands for, right? Adoration, right? Adoration, right? So I just start. I start my personal connection with God by saying, God, you are holy. I worship you. You're the Lord of my life. Thank you for your lordship. Right? And then I just go to confession. I say, I scooch the pooch. God, is that how you say that? That's not, no. Right. She doesn't know what I'm saying. I say, I messed up, God. Right? Right? I try to forge my life on my own power, in my own ways, and in my own timetable. Right? I, I just, I, I messed up. Or I, I uh, got grumpy and yelled at Christina. Or, or I cut someone off in line in traffic. Whatever. Right? I messed up, Lord. And then I go into Thanksgiving where I say, Lord, thank you for what you're doing in my life. Thank you for this. Thank you for this answered prayer in this person's life. Thank you for, for, for blessing me with this, right? It's, a, it's that attitude of gratitude that we've been talking a lot about through this year, right? Reflecting on the blessings that God has given us. And then I go into supplication. Lord, I just, I need this, right? Or help me see this. Give me wisdom and discernment or or be with this person, or be with that person, and, and move in their life, and, and make the people of the foundry a little uncomfortable so they take that next step in their relationship with God. Right? It's a model that Jesus gives us in the Lord's Prayer, like we talked about in our last series. Right? And while it may sound cheesy, 
or a little contrived and wouldn't work for you, right? It works for me. That's right. I'm completely different. <laughs> um, I am not. Understatement of the year. I'm not a morning person in any way, shape, or form. Andrew knows don't really talk to me until about 10 o'clock. Yes. <laughs> you guys all think she's sweet, but if I talk to her before 10 in the morning, it's I hate your stinking guts. I wish we were never married. <laughs> Leave me alone, I hope you die. Okay, that's a little bit of exaggeration, but (laughs) I really don't like mornings. I hate them with everything in me. So I cannot connect with God in the morning. I can't connect with anyone in the morning. So my connection time with God is in the evenings. Um, Andrew is a 95-year-old man, for those of you who don't know. So he goes to bed very early. I am not tired when he goes to bed, but we like to get in bed at the same time. So we'll get in bed, and as he's falling asleep, I will read a book. Or devotional. After we do what we talked about last week. Never <laughs> Okay. Um, <laughs> so, anyways, I will read my devotional, then I'll read my Bible, and then I write out my prayers. In fact, this journal later on became a prayer journal because I got my life together. <laughs> um, and I write my prayers out. Um, I don't follow an acronym. I don't follow a, a rhythm. I just kind of freeform write because that's how I talk. That's how I am. Um, it is very different from Andrew's, but it works for me. And it's meant to be that way. Yeah, so w- what about you, right? I mean, it's something we got to think about. How do you connect with God? Right? How do you love God first? One of our, our measures out there is owning our faith. Right? As an individual, how do I own my faith? Now, maybe, maybe you don't know, right? Maybe, maybe you're not there yet, and that's okay, right? I mean, but I, I do want to encourage you to take one step this week to connecting to God. Right? And, and here are just a few ideas that, that might get you thinking, but please don't feel limited uh, by these things, right? But um, like you said, we're all about equipping growth here, so... Um, To help you take that next step, we made a very short list of some ideas that you can go through. Um, The first one is just pray as you're getting ready in the morning. Um, This is something a lot of moms do with their kids is they're putting their clothes on. They pray through the armor of God. Um, But that's just an easy way to get your morning started off right. Um, Another one is read one chapter a day from the book of Proverbs for 31 days. Proverbs is a great place to start when you're reading the Bible. It's very easy to read, and it's also very applicable. So that's an easy place to start. Um, The next one is, and I think this is a game changer, pray before you walk into your home at the end of the day. So for those of you that are still commuting, (laughs) when you get home, before you cross that threshold, say a prayer, ask God to be with you as you are with your family and be present in whatever is about to happen, I think that's a game changer. Um, Andrew added this to the list. Pray while you ride your motorcycle. I'm pretty sure he just put this on there because he wants a motorcycle and a sidecar for Barton. But (laughs) I will say that praying during your commute is huge. Um, When I used to have a commute, that was what I did. It's an easy 30 minutes by yourself with God, Um, and it keeps you from yelling at car next to you. (laughs) Um, One of the things that really helped Andrew and I as we were growing in our marriage is to invite God into the tough moments of when you're having a heated conversation with your spouse. Um, One of us, it's usually Andrew, I'll confess, that while we're having these discussions, we'll say, stop, 
we need to pray. And it's usually a two second of God refocus us or God be here. And it changes everything. It gives you a little peace, a little patience, a little grace. Um, and then for those of you who are not really sure how you feel about God, you don't know where he is, you don't know what he's doing, um, I think a great place to start is just to tell him that. Absolutely. Say, what are you doing? <laughs> where are you? I need you here. And then just give him time to answer because he will. He yeah, shows m- up. Make yourself known, God. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely, right? Pray, pray while you are, are doing things, right? While you are getting ready. It's a great first step. And the bottom line is this, Founder Church. The, the most important question to ask is not what makes our marriage work. Who? Right? Who makes our relationships work? Right? Who's going to make our future marriages work? Right? Because when we love God first, it empowers us to love our spouse in a way that we can never love them on our own. Right? No matter, no matter what we do, we cannot save our marriage. Right? Because we cannot save our spouse. Only God can do that. So we got to love him first. Right? Go, go ahead, tell your spouse that, that you need that Harley with the sidecar for your dog in order to connect with God. Whatever you do, whatever you decide, whatever works for you, do it. Connect with God first. It's going to help you become your best us. When we put God first, we know the paradise that is to come. Our marriage is not going to be perfect. It's not going to be a perfect life, a perfect paradise on this earth. But we know what is to come because we put God first, right? If we, we love God first, we know the, the perfect role in our relationship is already taken, right? Jesus has that part covered because he's perfect. Tim, Tim Keller, another author and preacher, he says this, if we look to our spouse to fill us up in a way only God can do, then we're asking for the impossible. Right? You see, a good marriage is a good marriage because people in that relationship, in that marriage, realize that they are not the Messiah, the Savior to one another. Right? This is hard, hard to understand here, right? Get this, right? The person that we are married to has no capacity whatsoever to change our heart. I know that sounds weird, right? The, the, the person that we are, are married to has no capacity whatsoever to bring satisfaction and contentment to my heart, right? They have no ability whatsoever to forgive us from the things that we do wrong. They just have no ability to do any of that apart from God. And listen, it's because God can do those things. And when we put him first, when we remember his role in our life, in our, in our soul, in our ultimate future. When we put Him first, when we devote time to Him, right, we are able to become better people. Better, better husbands, better, better fathers, better mothers and wives and sisters and brothers, better better leaders, better, better pastors, better, better just neighbors. We're better people because we become more 
and more like Christ. When we do that, we're well on our way to becoming the best us. Let's, uh, let's pray, and then we're going to continue to worship this God who gives us the ability to do that, to become our best us. Lord, we stand in humility in front of you. We know that apart from you, we just can't do and be anything, let alone better. No matter how hard we try, no matter how much we, we roll up our sleeves and put the work in, apart from you and forging our life on you, it's just not possible. So we stand in front of you with our, our heads bowed, with our, with our hands open, ready to receive your grace, your truth, and your power, and the ability to become the best us in our marriages, in the marriages that we're preparing for in the, in the future, or even, even for the little kids that are here today. That your spirit will enable them to be more and more like you. Thank you for who you are. We love the fact and we rejoice and we, we shout praises to you because, because of who you are. The fact that we get to come here and worship, to gather around the altar and, and just proclaim your greatness, Lord. Thank you for this opportunity. Thanks for listening to the Foundry Church Podcast. We'd love to stay in touch. Visit us online at thefoundrychurch.com or connect with us on Facebook or Instagram at thefoundryburk.